I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Merle the Hillbilly and I'm fixing to tell you a story that'll scare the bejesus If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'll tell you. So light up a lantern, grab a spittoon, and let's journey into the heart of darkness together. I was staying at the Marriott Hotel, sixth floor in Huntsville, Alabama, at the Space and Rocket Center. At 5.40 a.m., on Feb 24th, 2009, I went on the balcony to drink my coffee as the room was too stuffy and hot. I was out there just thinking and staring off at the woods when something caught my eye. After refocusing on it, I realized there were legs, then arms. Then I could clearly make out his face. 
The creature stood six, seven feet tall and was staring directly back at me. It seemed to have fine hairs all over gray color hair that got more black as the hair got closer to the skin. The tips of the hair were much lighter. The face, lips, the eyelids, etc., were more of a very dark brown. It stood very erect, was very muscular, and did not seem to have the ape-like protruding mouth and nose, but more flat-faced human-like. After thirty seconds, he started rocking back and forth. I then realized this was moving and could in no way be mistaken for a deer or bear or anything else. This was a fully erect, ape-like animal that seemed to want me see him. He was rocking back and forth from side to side. After the initial thirty seconds, he rocked for about ten, twelve seconds, then stood and stared at me. I was on the sixth floor, about one hundred twenty yards away in decent lighting due to hotel lights and street light behind loading area of hotel. He then would stare back then, he would remain face forward with feet. Only about two feet apart would lean over to his left with his right arm would start pulling bark off a very large pine tree. It looked as if someone were in a sawing position. Then he would stand up, stare at me, then rock, and then pull bark. This was done in that order three times over a five-six minute period. After five minutes of reverifying what I was looking at, I felt this creature was docile and smooth moving. I decided I would try and get a closer look. As I opened the sliding glass door, he stared, and I stared back. I ran out of the hotel room, and there was security in our hall, laying the morning news at the hotel room doors. I asked him to come with me and ask for backup, since he had no gun. We ran around the corner outside, and as we were running, I finally got the nerves to tell them what I saw. We get to the reference points I had chosen, and there were a lot of fresh bark removed from the large pine tree. I tried to pull bark from it to no avail. It was too hard. I am six feet four. 300 pounds. I went back after 7 a.m. Light. I did notice what looked like scat. It took the form of explosive diarrhea and looked like a hundred birds had pooped in a small area. Like in a shotgun pattern, heavy in the middle and lighter to the outside perimeter. I put a large handful in a Marriott laundry plastic bag. It looks like feces and digested berries and seeds. It was dry, although it had rained the night before. One of the Marriott employees saw two large footprints, more like deep indentions in the pine straw. I took off my shoe, placed my foot in it, and there was about a one-inch area all the way around my foot in order to fill the indention. Something very heavy had to make these indentions. I tried, and I am 300 pounds and could not. I am 100% positive of the above description. I watched this clearly for five, six minutes. My years as a park ranger had taught me to respect the land and the people who had been its stewards long before I arrived. My days were filled with breathtaking landscapes and encounters with all sorts of creatures, from the most innocent to the deadliest. But nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to face. It all began when a tribal police officer named John approached me with concerns about a series of strange occurrences involving campers in the remote national park we both patrolled. Stories of unusual sightings and inexplicable events had reached both our ears, and we knew we needed to get to the bottom of it. 
As we investigated further, we discovered a connection between the campers and a group of skinwalkers, shape-shifting creatures of Native American legend who were seeking retribution for an ancient wrong. These beings were not just creatures of myth and folklore. They were very real, and their wrath was directed at those who had trespassed on sacred land. Realizing the magnitude of the situation, we knew we needed help. That's when we turned to a United States Marine named Alex, who had a deep understanding of Native American culture. He had served alongside Native American soldiers during his time in the military and had developed a strong respect for their beliefs and customs. Together we embarked on a treacherous journey through ancient legends and modern crime, seeking to prevent further violence and restore balance to the land. The Skinwalkers were formidable adversaries, and their supernatural abilities made them nearly impossible to track. But with Alex's knowledge and our combined experience, we slowly began to piece together the puzzle. As we delved deeper into the world of the Skinwalkers, we learned of an ancient wrong that had been committed against them, involving the desecration of a sacred burial site the very campers they targeted. We realized that in order to stop the cycle of violence, we would have to find a way to appease the skinwalkers and make amends for the transgressions of the past. With each passing day, the stakes grew higher. The skinwalkers were growing bolder, their attacks more frequent and violent, but we refused to give up, driven by our determination to protect both the people and the land we served. In the end, it was a combination of our efforts that brought about a resolution. We managed to broker a fragile truce between the campers and the skinwalkers, allowing for the restoration of the sacred site and the return of stolen artifacts to their rightful place. It was a delicate balancing act, one that required all of our skills, knowledge, and respect for the cultures and traditions involved. As we stood on the precipice of a new understanding between humans and the supernatural beings that shared this land, I couldn't help but reflect on the incredible journey we had undertaken. We had navigated the treacherous terrain of ancient legends and modern crime, learning from one another and forging bonds that would last a lifetime. I knew deep in my heart that our actions had made a difference, not just for the campers and the skinwalkers, but for the land itself. The balance had been restored, and the National Park could once again thrive as a sanctuary for all who respected its sacred history and natural beauty. I have recently learned what skinwalkers are, and it completely made sense of an event that happened to me as a child that I had previously completely blocked out of my brain. I don't believe I was targeted in this scenario, but I do know that this absolutely happened. I was not dreaming, etc. I was about 11 years old, visiting my mom's extended family in California with my parents and siblings. I'd been there before, and I always slept alone on an air mattress in the living room sunroom, which had a greenhouse-like glass-panned wall to the front of the house, facing the street. My air mattress was tucked behind the couch so it's not like anyone could look inside and see me. The house was also about 75, 100 feet back from the road, with a large gate in the front, so I didn't feel exposed at all in that front room. It was a usual summer evening, and everyone settled into bed. I remember that I used to like to stay up late playing games on my Nintendo DS or iPod. 
especially on vacation. I had been on my iPod getting a little sleepy when I started to hear strange rustling noises coming from outside. I sat up and peered outside, but couldn't see anything out of the ordinary. The road outside was dimly lit by a streetlight, so any animals I would have seen. I figured it was probably an animal in a bush somewhere, so I put my iPod down and tried to go to sleep, though my eyes were still pinned to the window out of curiosity. A few quiet minutes pass, and I convince myself that it was nothing. The minute I laid back down, something across the street caught my eye and I darted back up. Completely silently, I saw what appeared to be two coyote-like figures, only they were mainly walking on their hind legs, which looked much bigger than their front one. They appeared to be six or seven feet tall. There was absolutely no noise at all. I could not believe what I was seeing. One of them turned to look towards me, so I ducked my head down behind the couch. After a few moments, I slowly peeked again. They continued walking the same direction until I couldn't see them anymore. So I finally went to bed. At the time, I don't think I was super freaked out. I figured it must have been some sort of animal. I never asked anyone about it, though, and only as an adult did I realize that there are no such animals like the ones I saw. I know coyotes exist and are abundant in California, but they do not walk on their hind legs, and they're certainly not seven feet tall. I am now convinced that I saw two skinwalkers that night. This year I've been riding in a car with some friends around midnight in a very rural area in Central Europe. It was a narrow street with a cornfield to our left and a forest to our right. When we passed a sharp turn in the street, we noticed that there was a pale white animal that ran into the cornfield. Unfortunately, we were only able to catch the legs and a bit of the animal's torso because of the turn. It was looking strong, had white fur, and was pretty tall. From what I can remember, it looked like it must have another set of legs in the front part of its body because of the creature's posture. I unfortunately don't remember if it had a tail or not. Needless to say, we were all wondering what kind of animal that was. It was something we've never seen before. My first guess would be a deer with albinism because they're really common here, but I do think that that creature must have been bigger than a deer would be, and it did not look familiar to me at all. So I've been wondering if there's any cryptid that fits this description. It all started one night a few years ago when I was hanging out with a guy friend of mine. Let's call him Dan and his cousin. Dan and I had really come to bond over some of our strange beliefs and experiences. The story I'm about to tell wasn't the first foray for either of us into things of another worldly nature, but for me it was one of the most significant and had a lasting impact on how I view these things. I was living in Chicago at the time and working in a bar somewhat near downtown. If you believe in superstitions and fairy tales, it would be easy to assume that strange things only happen to people deep in the woods or in remote locations, and that a city such as Chicago would be mainly devoid of supernatural or otherworldly experiences. 
It's easy to assume that densely populated areas wouldn't exactly be a breeding ground for this kind of strange activity, but you would be wrong. On this particular night, it was slow at work, and Dan and his cousin just happened to be in the area. He texted me to ask what my plans were, so I suggested they come to my place for a quick drink before we closed, since it was already nearing 2 a.m. I finished my side work just as they were arriving, ten minutes till two, so we all had a quick drink and took off to find another bar that was still open. But I think it must have been a Sunday or something, because everything in the area was closed. So we decided to head back to our neighborhood on the far north side of the city. As we were deciding what to do, Dan casually mentioned that he knew a liquor store in the northern suburbs that was open till 3 a.m. every night. So we devised an impromptu plan to grab some beers and have a late-night stroll on the nearby beach. I would like to mention that this particular beach was about a ten-minute walk from where I was living at the time, and had a bike trail with a park that I would often rollerblade or walk through. When we got to the park, everything seemed normal. Both the parking lot and the park itself seemed empty, and we assumed the beach to be empty as well, as everything was perfectly quiet and still. By this time, it was about 3 a.m., so we didn't expect anyone else to be there. As we were getting our beers out of the car, I noticed it was a full moon that night. We often went on nighttime adventures in the suburbs when we were bored, although never to this particular beach, and even on college campuses we barely ever ran into anyone. But as we walked through the park, I noticed how still and quiet everything was. As soon as we stepped foot onto the sand where the beat started, something shifted. The energy changed, and we started hearing laughter. Coming from where? It sounded like it was just out in front of us a ways, just right there, out in the water. But no one was there. It was a clear night, and with the full moon you could see for literally miles in every direction. There was no one there, but yet the laughing persisted, and it sounded like two voices, a man and a woman. And you could clearly hear them in the water, splashing and playing and laughing and talking, but there was just simply nobody there. At this point, we were all actively scanning up and down the beach and literally asking each other, Yo, are you guys hearing this? It sounded like they were out there playing in the waves. In the middle of the night, laughing and talking, but we couldn't make out what they were saying, and we simply couldn't see anyone out there besides ourselves. We all agreed that it was weird, and maybe we should have simply taken it as a sign to leave, but we ended up deciding to simply ignore it and headed to the opposite end of the beach. Maybe they're out there skinny-dipping and they don't want us to see them. I offered this as a possible solution, but I think I was just trying to rationalize what didn't make rational sense. So we ignored it. We walked to the complete opposite end of the beach, which may have been roughly the size of a football field, but when we got there we noted that the voices had not changed volume. It still sounded like they were out in the waves right in front of us. So we ignored it even harder. We opened some beers, put it out of our minds, and frankly didn't think too much of it for a while as we talked about random things and I took pictures of the moon over the water. This went on for about twenty minutes and we weren't thinking too much anymore about the voices or the laughter. Until it suddenly stopped. The sudden absence of sound made us immediately uneasy. Mainly because what the F just happened. Why did the voices stop? Did they get sucked into an undertow? 
Are they out there in the waves drowning? We all looked at each other with the same question. What the F do we do? Here I am on the beach in the middle of the night where we're not supposed to be, drinking beers and now there's people potentially drowning? What do you even do in this scenario? Call the cops. Run out and try to save them. All I can assume is that in this moment, we were all contemplating these same horrifying scenarios when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye down to the other end of the beach. A wave of relief washed over me, thinking at first that it might be these people coming up on the beach. So without even thinking, I started to point and say, Look, there they are. It's two. Realizing at this moment they aren't people, it's two. Dogs. And sure enough, we all see what seems to clearly be the silhouettes of two dogs trotting towards us down the beach. Uh, this was a decent-sized beach, but these things were not simply walking. They were moving with some speed and managed to clear half of it in about as much time as it took me to process what they even were. As they started to get closer, I started to notice that they had very large ears, tails, and paws. Holy for guys, I don't think those are dogs. I said, those are coyotes or something, and they're coming right at us. Now I had seen coyotes in the area and knew they were no strangers to even densely populated areas, but seeing what appears to be two wild animals trotting towards a group of humans in the middle of the night is wildly disconcerting. At this point, they suddenly stopped in their tracks about halfway down the beach. They seemed to assess us for a moment, when all of a sudden I saw with all clarity the silhouettes of these two animals rise onto their hind legs and become instead the shapes of two people. Immediately I turned around to my friends and exclaimed, Tell me, you just saw that S. Yeah, said Dan, who looked terrified. They just stood up. That was all he had to say for me to know that we had all seen the same thing. When we turned back to look, they were already gone, like they had simply disappeared into thin air. Dan's cousin said, We need to get the F out of here. And so we did. But it wasn't so much sheer panic as a sense of vague unease. We didn't run away screaming. We just simply quickly grabbed our things and started walking towards the exit. As we walked past the lifeguard tower, we noticed them, as if they had simply materialized again. There they were, the two of them. A silhouette of a man and a woman against the moonlit sky, sitting atop the lifeguard tower. We all slowed our step as we noticed them. Should we say something to them? asked aloud. I couldn't help myself. The curiosity was overwhelming. No. Dan's cousin whispered sharply at me. Dan grabbed my hand and dragged me onward. Don't say anything to them. Just keep moving. So we left. We got in the car silently. We took the short drive back to my apartment silently. We sat in the car quietly for a few minutes, smoking a cigarette. Okay, I said finally, breaking the silence. But we all experienced that S, right? Did we just see, like, werewolves or something? And in that few minutes, we rehashed the entire experience together, from the disembodied voices to the shape-shifting creatures. And although we agreed that we had all seen and experienced the same thing, we also noted that if we had been alone and seen something like that, we might have just written it off. I thought it was my eyes playing tricks on me, Dan said, until I realized you guys saw it too. That was basically the feeling we all had through the whole experience. 
as if we had tried to write it off until it was nearly staring us right in the face. But, honestly, this wasn't my first experience with things of an otherworldly nature, and it seemed to me, from experience, that it's best to just let it go. So I did let it go. I got out of the car and went into my apartment, and honestly just went straight to bed. Like I knew it was a strange thing we had all just experienced, but I really just hoped and chose to assume that that, that would be the end of it. And truthfully, I went to bed that night and slept like a baby. I never really felt like I was in danger or that something malicious had followed me. I thought that was the end of it, until I started having dreams about them a few weeks later. As it turns out, they had followed me and they wanted to talk with me. One night, a few weeks after our sighting of the strange, shape-shifting creatures, I had a dream. I didn't know that it was a dream while it was happening. It all felt so real. It was like I remembered nodding off in bed, and then I came to somewhere else. When I came to, I found myself standing on an empty beach. I quickly realized it was the same beach where we had seen the creatures a few weeks prior. But I couldn't remember how I had gotten there. I just fell asleep in my bed and woke up on the beach. The transition was so jarring I started to panic, wondering if I had slept walked there, or worse, if I was losing my mind. My unease grew as I realized the winds were blowing and the skies were dark, as if there was a bad storm approaching. I thought about the things we saw on the beach that night, wondering if they had somehow led me here. As soon as the thought crossed my mind, I saw something, black, inky, amorphous shapes, rising out of the crashing waves of Lake Michigan. I worried that I had somehow disturbed some ancient lake spirits. As I watched the shapes rise out of the waves, they took the form of two large black dogs, each with glowing yellow eyes. They maintained this shape until they reached the beach, where they stood on their hind legs, and suddenly they were no longer dogs. But a man and a woman, strange, ethereal-looking people with long black hair and the same glowing yellow eyes, they just stared at me, and I stared at them, and they stared at me, and I stared at them a little while more until I finally managed to muster the words, What are you? They exchanged a baffled glance with each other. No, but, like, what are you? The looks of confusion on their faces grew. In fact, it seemed like a mix of confusion and offense at the very question. In my dumbfounded state, I repeated the question a few more times, What are you? But they seemed either unwilling or unable to respond to it. So I asked more questions. Different questions. Okay, if you can't tell me what you are, can you tell me where you came from? Whack, have you always been on this beach? Do you come from a different realm? More looks of confusion. You can't even tell me where you came from. Like, when were you born? Do you remember being born? Suddenly the woman snapped at me. Do you remember being born? And suddenly I was the one who didn't know how to answer the question. Do you remember being a baby? Or an infant, or even a toddler for that matter. She seemed thoroughly annoyed by my line of questioning. Well, no, of course not. I stuttered. No, of course not, she said. You don't remember that far back. 
Well, neither do we. But surely you must know something about your origins or where you came from, I asked. I may not remember being born, but I have parents and family and doctors who were there to confirm when and where I was born. Well, we don't have any of that, she said matter-of-factly. In fact, things like us. Well, we're the oldest things we know of. We don't have parents or grandparents to ask. We don't have anyone who came before us to ask where we came from. And frankly, we simply don't remember that far back. I was dumbfounded. I had no idea how to respond. So you want to know where we come from? She continued. Well, I can't tell you that for certain. All I can tell you is my opinions, my beliefs. So if you ask me where we come from, I would say that we come from God. And I would say that it's the same God that created you, that created us, that created all of reality. But the truth is, if God does exist, or some sort of creators to all of this, they quite simply are not around anymore to ask. But this is just my belief, and that's all I can give you. Feeling in a whirlwind from such a complex and unexpected response, I clamored for something to follow it up with. So how old do you think you are, exactly, or how far back do you remember? She sighed a deep sigh and started pointing around in various directions, saying things like, Do you see the water? Do you see the waves on the water? Well, yes, I said. Obviously I see the water. You see the beach? And the grasses growing on the sand dunes. Yes, I see the beach. Do you see the hills beyond the beach and the trees growing on those hills? Yes, yes, I see the hills and the trees. What does that have to do with anything? Well, she sighed. We're old, at least as old as the landscape itself, if not older. So as long as this has been here, we've been here. As long as the water and the beach and the hills have been here, we've been here. We're as old as the hills, you might say. At this point, I was exasperated. Okay, that's all cool and good for you and whatever. But what does that have to do with me? Like, what does that have to do with me? They were both silent for a moment. Surely there's some reason you've sought me out, right? Surely there's some reason you've approached me to tell me all this? More silence. So, what does this have to do with me? Just then the man who hadn't said anything to me the entire time just sort of shrugged and said, Ah! I don't know. We just thought it might be nice to have a human to talk to for a change, you know. And that must have made me so angry that I woke myself up because the last thing I remember is yelling for a change from what? And then I was waking up in my bed and it was morning. I had more dreams of them after this. Most of them were vague and I couldn't really remember much. When I told my friend Dan about this, I was surprised to hear him say that he had been having dreams about them, too. He didn't claim to remember having any specific conversations with them, just vague dreams of shape-shifting entities. But, as for me, I did have one other dream where a conversation was had. In this dream, I was at work. In real life, I work as a server, but for some reason in this dream, I was the bartender. It was the same bar, however, that I was working at in real life at the time. It was a slow night. There were a few tables, but no one at the bar. 
I was contemplating stepping out for a cigarette when a woman walked through the front door. Immediately she caught my eye. Something about her was dreamlike. The way she moved was ethereal. She had long, black, wavy hair that seemed to flow unnaturally, and she may have been wearing a fur coat. When she sat down and made eye contact with me, I immediately noticed her eyes. They were a bright, vibrant, and unnatural shade of yellow, almost as if they were glowing. I just knew as soon as I looked at her that everything about her was entirely strange. But I didn't know that this was a dream, and I didn't want her or any of the other customers to think I was crazy, so I greeted her as I would any customer. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, she said, in a complete non-squitcher. So I've been really into werewolves lately. She slammed both hands down on the bar emphatically as she said the word, Werewolves! Staring at me with wide eyes and a strange grin. Um, okay, I responded, her comments catching me off guard. Yeah, have you ever heard of werewolves? At this point I was sure she was crazy, or... Or cryptids? Have you heard of those? In my mind, I'm thinking, Lady, is this your first day on planet Earth? Who hasn't heard of werewolves? But I just laughed uncomfortably and played along. Yes, I've heard of them. Why? Okay, so you've heard of werewolves and cryptids and stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'm like, really into that stuff. Like, I want to know all the folklore about these things, and I want to know what people think about these things. That's cool. Can I get you a drink? Honestly, I was just trying to hurry up and serve her so I could go out for a smoke. She ordered a beer, I poured it and handed it to her, and she continued on with her strange line of questioning. So, have you ever seen anything like that? She asked as I handed over her beer. Like what? Like a werewolf? Yeah, silly, like a werewolf. She made a playful smirk. Because I just want to know. I want to know what people think about these things. Well, I was about to step out front for a quick smoke, if you don't mind. Maybe we can continue this conversation when I get back. At this point, I was honestly getting more than a little weirded out by her energy and her attempts at talking about some weird S with me. Sure. Sure, she said. So I went outside, but as soon as I lit my cigarette, I turned around and she was standing behind me. I'm sorry. I just couldn't wait. I wanted to talk about it now. I don't want to freak you out. I'm just conducting some research, you know? Trying to find out what people think about these things. I tried to steer the conversation politely back to her by flipping the question. Well, what do you think about these things? Do you believe in werewolves? I don't really know. I just want to know what you think. Like, I'm fascinated by the kinds of stories and myths people tell. The good, the bad, the ugly. I don't care. I just want to know. Do you have any stories? Any experiences? <clears throat> this went on a few more times with me trying to redirect the conversation and her directing it back at me until finally I told her firmly but nicely, Look, I do believe in these things and I would love to have that conversation. I really would. But I'm at work right now and this isn't the... Time or the place, you know? Like I can't be standing out front smoking cigarettes and talking about this kind of stuff with people. I'm sorry, I just really can't talk about this stuff at work. 
That's all. That's okay, she sighed. I understand. I really am reaching. Get going anyways. She smiled, kind of a dejected smile, and I suddenly felt a little bad for being so dismissive. Okay, I said. I'm sorry I can't talk more about that stuff right now, but I have to get back to work. Okay, she said. Have a good one, and she started to walk off down the street. As I walked back through the door, I stopped and, for some unknown reason, joked, Oh, by the way, you're my favorite cryptid. She winked at me, and as I was walking back through the door into the building, everything made sense. I realized this was a dream. I realized who she was and why she was asking these questions. And I turned back around and ran out the door as if I was going to confront her. But I woke up. I moved away from that apartment and from Chicago completely after that. I moved back home to Michigan. I still have strange dreams sometimes, but I'm not sure if those particular entities followed me or not. If I'm being honest, at the end of the day, they were pretty interesting to talk to. And I think if I got the chance, I would talk to them again sometime. So that's the story of how I met the Loop Guru, and they were pretty nice, actually. Hope you enjoyed reading it. If anyone has any insights or has experienced anything similar, I'd love to hear it. My theory is that these were not actually werewolves at all, but rather some type of fey entities. I'd love to hear others' thoughts.